you uh, grabbed a copy of the outline uh, that was in the prayer page out there on the table. If you didn't get, get one, then I'm sure there's still some out there. We want to make sure that you have uh, follow along tonight because, again, the focus uh, in these days, uh, not just this Saturday, but in the days to come, is reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is so important. Now, Brother Chris is helping us out in the area of outreach. And Brother Chris uh, spent some time earlier on this year and really late in 2017. And he said, Pastor, I, I'd like to call it Pulse. And I, so we sat down and I asked him a little bit about it. And I said, what's that all about? And he began to explain to me. And so tonight, with God's help, I want to try to use those thoughts that Brother Chris and I sat down with and share with you from the Word of God what this is all about and why we need to be a part of this. Listen, not just this Saturday, but until the Lord comes home, all right? Until the Lord comes for us and He takes us home. So look here in Psalm 22. Now, we all, we're all familiar with Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? We know that, that psalm like the back of our hand. We see it all the time. Uh, sometimes we'll go to a funeral or something, we'll see it on a card, but listen, there is a great psalm in there that's right before Psalm 23, and there's a tremendous psalm right after Psalm 23. And so tonight, I just want to look at a portion of Psalm 22. Look at the Bible says, by the way, look how it starts here in verse number one, where the Bible says here, see if this sounds familiar. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me, and from the words of my roaring. What does that sound like to you? Sounds like Jesus on the cross, does it not? The very same language the psalmist records here. And you have to understand, this was long before Calvary. And the Bible gives us a great description here. I don't have time tonight, but boy, you ought to read through this psalm and see how it looks. It grips my heart every time I read Psalm 22. But drop down to verse number 14, and look what the Bible says here in these two verses. The, the psalmist writes, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. We see here this, this wording, my heart is like wax. My heart melts in the midst of my bowels. I believe this gives us a, a depiction of the crucifixion of Jesus. You go back and you study this matter of death by crucifixion. And many of us know, uh, even if we're not a doctor, that it is a death that is a very slow and suffocating death. It's meant to bring great pain and agony to those that are crucified. Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, experienced on the cross a shallowness of breath. His breathing became very shallow, and the reason was because his lungs began to collapse as he hung there for our sins. They say that there was decreased oxygen in his body and increased 
carbon monoxide, uh, carbon dioxide that cause acidic conditions in the tissues in his body. Listen, remember, he was God, he was 100% God, but he was 100% man. Jesus felt everything when he hung on that cross. They say that the fluids in his body began to build up in his lungs, which only made all the other matters worse physically, excruciating pain. And last of all, his heart, as described here in Psalm 22, his heart was stressed. And eventually the Bible says he gave up the ghost. His heart eventually failed. The Bible says in John 13, 1, look at the verse there. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Look at the words, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them how long? Unto the end. Now, you remember what John wrote earlier in his gospel record? He came unto his own, and his own received him not. This world that Jesus came to, he says, listen, he says, if people don't like you, if people hate you, just remember they hated me before they ever hated you. But yet, listen, he loved them unto the end. Jesus loved us. He loved everyone in this world, even those that hated him. And I think about this matter of us reaching out with the truth tonight and throughout these next couple months. And I think how our hearts, just like the heart of Jesus, our hearts need to be broken for others, the way Jesus is hard. Look at the words there again in Psalm 22. My heart is like wax. It's melted in the midst of my bowels. Now, again, Brother Chris chose this word pulse. And, and, and I was just doing a little studying and spent a little time in it. I wrote down here that by definition, pulse is a, <coughs> a, a rhythmical throbbing of the arteries as blood is being propelled through them. You see, we oftentimes, even when we have the Lord's table, what do we think about? We think about the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Acts 20, verse 28, the Bible says that he purchased the church with his own blood. Now, the church is not a building, it's us, it's the people of God. Oh, precious is the flow that makes us white as snow. The blood of Jesus. And I think about how important it is that if it was something that imperative, to the Son of God, to see people saved, it ought to be that important to us, should it not? I think about the heart of Jesus. And I, from that word pulse tonight, I want you to write down these words, and I want you to think about this as not only Saturday rolls around, but the days ahead, maybe at your work, maybe out in public, maybe at the store, maybe with your neighbors or your friends. First of all, the letter P, what does it stand for? Pursue. Pursue. Now, when you think about pursue, a lot of times, here's what we think, is 
to pursue after somebody is to follow them, right? You see sometimes on the news, you see a police officer chasing someone that stole a car, somebody that did something, they're pursuing them, but you don't understand the full meaning of the word pursue. Uh, when I first met my wife, I, 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 I saw her, and, and I remember thinking, wow, I want to get to know her. But can I tell you, I didn't just want to follow around after her. I wanted to pursue her by the very definition, and here's what it means. It means to follow after, to overtake. <laughs> That's exactly when you see police officers, look, they, they'll follow that person until they apprehend them. Uh, I remember there was a guy that liked my, my, she's now my wife, back then she wasn't my wife, and there's this guy that liked her, and somebody said, hey, listen, I think she's dating so-and-so, and I said, she doesn't have a ring on her finger yet. I'm going to pursue her, you know. Now listen, folks, there are people out there that do not know Christ as their Savior. And the Word of God tells us that we ought not just follow them around. The Bible tells us we need to pursue them. Let me, let me illustrate this to you, maybe new to you, but, but listen, I, uh, the Lord wants us to, go, to follow these people, to pursue these people as believers. What does that mean? It means that you and I need to bring the gospel to people instead of waiting for those people to come to us. How many of you know that if, look, if we don't go out after them, the chances of them just walking through the doors is slim to none, right? Now, we've had some folks come, but when they come and I say to them, hey, how did you find out about us? Usually what they'll say is, uh, somebody left one of these on my door. They'll say, someone invited me from this church. They'll say, I went on the internet and I found your church. In other words, there was some contact that was made. Somehow we went out after them pursued them, and they came in. Folks, we look, there's a lot of people today who believe that we should, just, we should just live the Christian life, just be a good person. You know, we're saved, and we're just waiting for the Lord to come back, and, and by our lives, people will get saved. And they call that lifestyle evangelism. And I think, to a point, we ought to live in such a way that we are salt and light in this world. But the Bible tells us that we need to go out and pursue after them and here's what the Word of God says. Look what it says here in Mark 16, 15. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, when we go, listen to me now, and this is so important. When we go, here's how we ought to go. I've seen some people who are very mean the way they go, the way that they deal with people, the way they react with people and talk to people. As we go, just like Jesus, we need to go in a gentle and appropriate manner, and we need to have a regard for their soul's salvation. I was out on Tuesday, Brother Dave and Brother Chris, and, and I was going down the street, and uh, I was, I, there was nobody answering the door, and I guess it was just the time of day. Most people weren't home, I, I, I guess, or the, maybe they looked out and saw me and thought, I don't want to talk to that ugly guy. I, I don't know what they were thinking, but, but nobody was answering the door. And I came around the corner, and there was a lady come down the street, and, uh, and I, I, I began to talk to her. I gave her one of our gospel tracts, and I began to give her an invitation to our church. And, 
and uh, her name was Karen. And she had some very specific questions. She said, uh, you know, I've been going, I, I won't tell you what kind of church she, I've been going to this church. And she said, uh, uh, she said, can I ask you a question? What Bible do you use at your church? Now, I had no idea what kind of Bible she used, but guess what? I wasn't there to make her like me. Uh, either we're right or we're not right, but I began to share lovingly, kindly with her uh, the Bible that we use and why we use it and so on. But I told her, I said, we've got folks that come to our church that, that might bring a different version of the Bible. I said, and I, I, to the best of my ability, I never try to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but I have had people whenever I stood and read from the Word of God and they looked in their Bible and they thought, well, that's not what my Bible says. And then the Holy Spirit of God begins to show them maybe they need to, maybe they need to look into that matter. And, and that's what's happened before. And then she asked me, she said, now, she said, now, now, do you all at your church, do you all marry, and this was her word, not mine, she said, do you marry homosexuals? And, and so I, I took the time. I said, matter of fact, I just, I just preached a message on Sunday from Genesis 13. I said, do you know the story about Lot? And she says, well, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, probably don't really know that story real well. And I said, well, listen, you can go on our website, you can listen to the message. I said, you know, I said, by the way, that word that you use, it's not in the Bible. I said, God calls it sodomy. I said, according to the word of God, God calls it an abomination. I said, and she says, but do you let people like that in your church? I said, the Bible says Jesus was a, he, they criticized him because he came eating and drinking and they said he was gluttonous and he was a friend of publicans and sinners. I said, you know, my Jesus loves sinners. I said, I think, I think we should too. I said, I said, listen, people like that, they're welcome to come. I said, the only time somebody is not welcome at our church is if they want to come and be disruptive to where people cannot hear what God would have for them from the Word of God. I said, but we're going to do everything in our power to try to make them feel welcome and comfortable and so on. And, and she looked at me. And she said, well, she said, then maybe I might come try out your church. And as I walked away from her, I began to think to myself, those pointed questions she was asking me was her. Everybody ought to feel welcome at the house of God. You know why? Because we're all sinners. Every one of us needs the Lord. And if we're saved tonight, let's not get too far away from our salvation to remember what we were like when we met the Lord. It's so important that we don't get this holier-than-thou attitude towards those in the world. See, the, the wording here in Mark 16, 15, go ye. You know what that is? It's an active, not passive, and here's the word, command. It's a command from God. God's not suggesting. God says every Christian should be going. Now, some, some Christians don't like that because they like sitting in the soft pews, the nice chairs, the air-conditioned building. But the Bible says in Luke 14, 23, the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. You know what God wants? A full house. It's not about numbers. 
It's about, look, when there's somebody in every one of those chairs, there's a good chance that there's a bunch of people. And by the way, every church service, there ought to be some unsaved people sitting among saved people. If we don't have unsaved people sitting in our services, we're not doing what God told us to do because he says, go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Amen? Amen. Listen, folks, listen, we've got to understand people are not going to get saved unless we go out. Well, how do we do that? We pursue them. I love Deuteronomy 6.23. Look at this, these words. And he, God, brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swear unto our fathers. You know what God did? Look here. God pursued you. And you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to pursue others. And so when I think about this outreach and being a part of the work of God, it begins with us pursuing others. Look at the next letter, the letter U. Write down the word unite. Unite. Now the word unite, if you look at it, take off the E, what's the word? Unit. Everybody understands what a unit is, right? It's something that's one. It's whole. It's something that is joined together. And Paul wrote to those in Philippi, and here's what he said. Fulfill ye my joy. Watch this. Well, how do they do that? He says here that ye be like-minded. That doesn't mean that Robert thinks this, and Richie thinks this, and Jerry thinks this. No, no, no. He says that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord with one mind. Peter said, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion, one for another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Look, who wrote the book of Philippians? The Apostle Paul, right? Who penned the words in 1 Peter? Come on, that's an easy one, right? So Peter and Paul, you know what they were writing? They were writing the words of God, but they were sharing the very same sentiment of the Lord Jesus himself. Look what the Bible says in John 17. Here's what Jesus said. He said it this way, that they all may be what? One. Now watch how he says this. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. You know, look, here's great evidence. As people come in and there's not divisions and fighting and carrying on amongst God's people, we're all one. We all have the same mind, the same heart, the same compassion, the same Lord. But if they come in and there's fighting among us, they're going to go, hey, listen, that's just like outside the church. But evidence is that we are one just like the Father and the Son are one. Now look what else he says. Jesus said, in the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, and here he says it again, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one. By the way, we can't make ourselves perfect. That's God working in us and God working through us. And he says here, he says that they may be, uh, that they may be perfect and one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. So what is he saying? We're, we're the church of God, right? Right? This is God's, God's work, God's church. So as God's church, what is our mission? Here it is. Our mission is to come together to do what? To reach people. 
That's what our mission is. And we need to do it before it's eternally too late. And that's why Brother Chris said, I love that word pulse, because that's the heartbeat of God, is to reach people before it's too late. We all know John 3, 16, right? Look in your notes there. How about the very next verse? God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, we can't save them, but we can go and we can share Jesus with them, you know? Remember what the woman, Dr. Getch preached on, the woman at the well, she went into town and she said, hey, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did, right? Remember what Andrew did? Andrew went and got his brother. Anybody remember what Andrew's brother's name was? Peter, right? And he says, hey, look, Peter, you got to meet this guy. And that's what we need to do is be united. We need to pursue them. We need to be united. Look at number three, and here's a good one. Write down the word love. The L stands for love. Love in its purest form, where does it come from? It comes from God. Look, at John wrote this. And by the way, John was the one that leaned on Jesus' breast, right? Every time Peter had some kind of thing that he wanted to ask the Lord, it was a sure thing if Peter said, hey, John, ask, ask the Lord this, you know? My, my daughter, is well, quite a few of my daughters, they've struggled over the years because if I'm around, you know, when I was at the college, a lot of times the college students would want to ask me something, but they were afraid to come ask me, so they would ask my daughter to ask me. And my daughters would say, you know, sometimes, Dad, I don't like being your daughter because people always want me to ask you instead of them ask you. And that's, that's, look, that's exactly what people did with John. And look what John said about love. He said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. You think about what, look, look just take a second in your mind. Right now, picture, not you, not what you would picture, but we all know what the world's picture of love is, right? Isn't it warped, demented? It's not at all what God has intended. But John wrote, love is of God, and he says, everyone that loveth, watch this now, if love is of God, everyone that loveth is born of God. That means you're a Christian, you're saved. He says, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, if you can't love someone, he says, then look at it. He says, knoweth not God, for God is love. If, if you, you know, if, if a Christian says to me, well, I just can't love that person. Really? Let me share with you John, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Because the Bible says love is of God. And look at the Bible says in Luke 7, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And I, I just mentioned this. He was a friend of publicans and sinners. And folks, listen. In our lives as Christians, if you're saved tonight, you know him, then what you and I need to do is demonstrate his love to other people. You know, sometimes you look at people, and we're bad about this, we look at people on the outside. What does God look at? He looks at the heart, right? I stood there and talked. Listen, there might have been and probably was a day in my life that if somebody told me they were caught up in something like that, I would have probably thought, ew, and get away. I, that thought never crossed my mind when I was standing there talking to them. Matter of fact, I was glad that I had the chance to stand. Because I don't, listen, honestly, after talking to her, I don't know if anybody in love has ever really 
just shared the love of God and the truth with her. And I was glad that God gave me that opportunity. I don't know if she'll ever come, but I'll tell you, I hope she saw and heard something that she's never seen or heard before. That's the way we need to be. You know why? Because that's the way Jesus was. Remember the woman at the well again? Jesus says, I, you've had four husbands. He says, and the man that you're with right now, he's not your husband. Remember what he said to the woman caught in adultery? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Aren't you glad that's the kind of God we have? You know what he does? He loves. You know what we're supposed to do? Love. That's exactly what he is telling us to do, is to love. Look at, go, go back again to 1 John, but look at chapter 4, verse 11. Beloved, he says, if God so loved us, here it is, we ought also to love one another. See, our love for others is an indicator of the place that God has in our hearts. How many of you like those little indicator lights that come on on your dashboard of your car? The warning, warning lights? You like those? I hate those. I'm like, okay, what's wrong with my car now, you know? And, you know, I've had a couple of mechanics tell me, don't worry about it, you know, the car's fine. I'm like, then why is the light on? You know, there's a problem there. And, yeah, it's always got a dollar sign attached to it. But look, the, the indicator light in our life is that if we can love other people, then we have the love of God in us. And that's what we see here is that we need to, look what it says again, going back to 1 John 4, I love that chapter. If a man say, watch this now, if he says, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. He that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Well, that's a pretty convicting verse, isn't it? Just think about that. We, we, with our physical eyes, we've never seen the Lord. He says, you're, you're lying if you say, he says, we need to love God. And listen, may God help us in the days ahead to pursue people. May God help us as, as we unite together, as we love people the way God wants us to love them. And look at the next letter there, the letter S. Write the word serve. Serve. Because look, out of that love, that's exactly what we should do, is to serve. Uh, serving, I love the word here. and we've got, we've got some tremendous men in our church that fill the office of a deacon, the very word, here's what it means, to wait on tables. You know, you, th you think about that, you know, well, I'd never do that. I'd never want to wait on a table. You know, a lot of us, we go out to eat. Listen, I hope you treat waiters and waitresses kindly. You know, a lot of times you have no idea what they've been up against all day, maybe what's going on in their life. And a lot of times, I, I used to go out with a, a friend of mine. I didn't, uh, uh, matter of fact, I, I kind of, tried to start avoiding going out to eat with him because here's what he would do. He would take a stack of $1 bills with him when he'd go out to eat and he'd put them on the middle of the table. And when the waitress or waiter would come, he would say to them, that stack right there is your tip. But he said to them, the only catch is, he says, every time I have to ask you for something or my glass is empty, I'm going to take a dollar away. I'm like, are you kidding me? He was a pastor's son. And every time, he would take one, take one away, take one. And he'd tell the waiter or waitress, whatever's left on the table when we're done eating is yours. And I've been with him before where there was nothing left. And I'm like, are you serious? You're not going to leave a tip? Folks, we have to understand how important it is to serve. God never intended salvation. And, that, and if we're saved tonight, 
then again, we've been talking about the love of God. He's never intended us who are saved this matter of being a Christian to be a spectator sport. You know, you think about this, a lot of Christians are armchair theologians. They're couch potato Christians. They're worship observers. And those type of people, you know what they do? They greatly abuse the precious gift that their heavenly father has given to them. It's the analogy, and maybe you've heard this before. Somebody described, and I love the game of football, and there's some kind of game this weekend, but they, they described it as this. There's 22 men on the field in desperate need of rest being cheered on by 60,000 fans in the stands, desperately in need of exercise. <laughs> so look, as a Christian, can I tell you, let's not sit in the stands. Let's get out of our seat and get in the game. Let's get out on the field. Let's serve the Lord. It's an awesome privilege to serve the King of Kings. Look at Hebrews 6.10. God's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed, and I love the phrase, toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Peter says, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What is he describing? What is God saying to us? That God has called us to a life of service far beyond anything that, that we could even imagine. Look, God has saved you and he's left you here for one reason, and that is to make a contribution to the work of God. We need to be a part of this. And when we are serving, you know who we're being like? We're being just like Jesus. And so we need to pursue people and be united together and love other people as God loved us and serve them. And look at the last letter here. The letter E is the word equip. And the word equip is this matter of providing what is needed for an undertaking. Somebody said, where God guides, God provides. The writer of the book of Hebrews says this, look at this, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Did you catch that? Uh, this, now, by the way, it's not perfection. There's no sinless perfection. It's talking about this matter of maturing, growing in the Lord, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And the Bible says here, that God will guide us, God will provide in every good work to do what? To do what we want to do? To make a name for ourselves? No, it says to do His will. And the writer goes on to say, working in you that which is well-pleasing, and here it again, in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. If something good happens, look, folks, we ought never to take the glory that belongs to God. We ought to say to God, be the glory, great things he's done. You know, every time I get the privilege of seeing somebody saved, I think to myself, that was all the Lord and none of me. Now, God might have used me, but listen, it wasn't because of me. The Holy Spirit of God even guided me with the verses that I shared. And it's so important that we see, look at this little quote here. As you think about this, God doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the called. So many people think, oh, I could never do that. I could never walk up to some stranger's house, knock on their door. I used to think the same way. <laughs> Folks, you have to start somewhere. We need to be telling. If we don't tell them about the love of God and how Jesus, God's own son, gave his life so that they could have a home in heaven. If we never tell them, they will never know. How shall they hear except there be a preacher? There has to be someone that goes. And it's so important that we see that God has equipped us. Look at some of these amazing things God has equipped us with. The Bible says, 
who hath also sealed us, and he's given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 13, Hereby know we that, that we dwell in him, that he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. Folks, when we go, we don't go alone. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Everywhere we go, God, by his Holy Spirit, who indwells us, goes with us. You think about this matter of being empowered in the Holy Spirit of God. Look at Acts 1.8. Ye shall receive power. Look, that's, that's uh, the, the, the uh, authority to go out and do God's bidding and to share the message of God. Well, how did that happen in the early church? It was after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Bible says, and ye shall be witnesses. So the Holy Spirit came upon them. And we live in, in the day and hour where at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in our lives. That as we go, God goes with us. The Holy Spirit of God is helping us to say what needs to be said. And so God has equipped us as we go out with His Spirit. But listen, God doesn't just give us His Spirit. God's given us His Word. I love the Word of God. And we look at what the Bible says as Paul wrote to young Timothy. He says, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of what? Yeah, it doesn't say the knowledge of this world. It doesn't say the knowledge of some theologian. It says the knowledge of the truth. How important is the truth? Well, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. God's equipped us with his word. I remember when I first started going out and I first started trying to share the gospel with people. I, I, took, a, I took a little New Testament, and uh, I had somebody help me with this, and I went through there, and I wrote all kinds of little cheaters in my New Testament. I, 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 I went to John 3.16, and right there on that page, I, I wrote there uh, over on the margin uh, where the next page was, because I, I didn't know the books of the Bible yet. And so that was my little roadmap to when I got there. Now, the people that I was sharing the gospel with, they didn't know that I was using that. They were looking at the words of God. But it helped me to navigate through the word of God. And I even got to the place where, and by the way, it's not because I know it all, but I just got to the place, don't you think it's a good thing if, 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 you're, if you're standing there with a Bible in your hand and you've got it to where they can actually read the words? Well, think about this. If I'm holding my New Testament and I'm wanting them to read the words while I'm saying them, number one, I've got to know what the words are. And number two, I have to have it to where they can read it. Well, if I'm holding it to where they can read it, guess what? The words are upside down for me. Right? I'm looking down at the words. And so a lot of times I just got to the place where I'd look down at them, and I got pretty good at reading upside down. <laughs> but it's important. Hey, listen, people need to see the words of God, because Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How'd you get saved? By the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. People need to hear the word of God, and God equips us. I think of a great example of this. There was a man, maybe you've heard the name, Carl Elsener. He, he was a Swiss designer of surgical equipment in the 19th century. Anybody ever heard the name? Nobody? You'll, you'll, you'll think about it in just a minute. He worked for years on perfecting a military knife. Today, his Swiss Army knife is associated with excellence 
in blades and variety of utilities. One model that he created includes knife blades, plural, a saw, scissors, a magnifying glass, a can opener, a screwdriver, a ruler, a toothpick, a writing pen, and even a few other items all in one knife. Now, it's probably about this wide. You can't put it in your pocket, but all in one knife. Look, if you're going to go camping or you're going to go out somewhere in the wild, that one item certainly would help you to be fully equipped wherever you went, whatever you encountered. Can I tell you that God has fully equipped us with the only item that we need, and that's the Word of God. You are fully equipped as you go out. And listen, folks, I'm going to tell you tonight, and you think about this, hell is a real place. And people need to be told of the coming judgment if they do not know Christ as their Savior. I know this, if my house was on fire, I would hope that someone would tell me that my house was on fire. And, and hell is a real place. It's not some fictitious place, folks. And people need to know that they can escape the, the fires of hell. Soul winning is still God's method of reaching the lost. The Bible says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise, the Bible says. Look at 1 Corinthians 9.16. I love what Paul writes here. He says, though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of for necessity. Look at the word there. Necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. You say, well, that was Paul. He was called to preach. Listen, every one of us are to keruk, to declare the truth. Every Christian should be a witness. Remember, it's a royal command. And Paul says, look, before I even talk to somebody about the weather or the football game or whatever it is, he says, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to explode if I don't talk to people about the Lord. Jesus, he confronted the woman at the well in John chapter four. And you think about Paul, how Paul, everywhere he went from city to city, what did he do? He confronted people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And each one of us need to commit ourselves to the very same thing that they committed themselves to, and that is this pulse of Jesus Christ. What is it? Well, Luke 19.10 describes it. The Son of Man, the Bible says, is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, who's lost? Everyone that's ever been born of woman. Every person needs to be saved. And if you and I would just lift up our eyes and look on the fields, the Bible says they're white already. Listen, it's so important that you and I, as Paul described in Acts 20, we need to have a 2020 vision. And look at this verse. I, he says, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to pursue them. We're supposed to be united. We're supposed to love them, serve and we're supposed to understand that God has equipped us as we go out. So here's the question is, will you be a witness for Jesus Christ? Will you join us Saturday? Will you say, listen, with God's help, I'm going to try to share the gospel so that maybe someone can come to know Christ because of my witness. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the privilege to be saved. Thank you for
the love that you had for us. The Bible says you loved us before we ever loved you. And Lord, I thank you so much for the instruction and the Word of God. May we understand tonight that if we're saved, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. And Lord, that you have saved us. And you have commanded us to be a witness. Lord, I'm not here to guilt anybody. I'm just here to help them understand from your word that we have an obligation and a privilege to tell others about Christ. Lord, as we go out after them, may we do it in love. Lord, may we be united having the same heart, the same compassion that Jesus had. Lord, help us to love others. Don't doesn't matter what they're caught up in, what sin they're living in. Lord, you loved us. Lord, we need to love them. Help us to serve you and to serve others, not be a respecter of persons. And as we go, thank you that we have your Holy Spirit. Thank you that we have your word. And we know ultimately that it is the truth of the word of God that will set them free. Lord, in the days ahead, I pray that many would be saved as a result of the faithful, passionate Christians that are a part of Bible Baptist Church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.